0: Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K.
1: Wright. Welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be great. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. I had Jack Canfield on my show a few years ago, and we had a really amazing conversation. Many of you know that he was one of the featured experts in The Secret. So one of the questions I asked was, why does the law of attraction not seem to work for everyone? And he said there were three reasons. First, we might have self-limiting beliefs around the thing that we are asking for. If we don't believe we can really have it, then we won't get it. Secondly, we're not operating on the same frequency as the thing that we are asking for. If we want something wonderful to manifest in our lives, but we ask from a place of sadness, depression, and despair, we aren't in a position to attract that wonderful thing. But if you ask from a place of love, joy, and gratitude, then you are a much better place to receive. And finally, we just aren't taking enough action. You'll notice the last six letters of attraction are A-C-T-I-O-N. You can't sit on a couch and hope for a million dollars and expect it to show up unless you do something worthy of that million dollars. To learn more about how that interview with Jack Canfield went, you can get my new book, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else. With all that in mind, I want to introduce my very special guest. Her name is Dina Dwyer-Owens. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dina Dwyer-Owens is the co-chairwoman of Neighborly, formerly Dwyer Group, and uh, she's also known for being in CBS's Emmy-winning hit reality show, Undercover Boss, and the first-ever special episode, Undercover Boss, Epic bosses, a winner of the 2012 Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year award for the Southwest Area North, Dina leads by example and credits a growing team for the franchise family she provides over presides over today. Dina is a certified franchise executive with more than 30 years of industry experience. Having grown up in Neighborly, that business now includes 11 franchise brands and has more than 2,700 locations around the world through direct franchising and master licensing agreements, operating as Air AirServe, Glass Doctor, Molly Maid, Mr. Appliance, Mr. Electric, Mr. Handyman, Mr. Reuter, and many more. Collectively, those service brands make more than 2 million customer calls a year and accounts for more than $1 billion in system wide sales. She's also the author of two books which have done very well. We will talk about so much today on the show. And here we are with my very special guest, Dina Dwyer Owens. Dina, how are you today?
2: Hi, Brian. I am doing excellent. Thank you. And a couple of quick updates. I am now the brand ambassador, which I think about that being the head cheerleader for Neighborly. So I'm in a a more of a part time position on purpose and yet uh, love being part of the company. And we have grown like crazy under the leadership of Mike Biddle, our CEO and this amazing team we have. We now have 21 franchise brands. 3,500 franchisees and at 1.9 billion in system-wide sales. So the last time you and Doug probably talked, um, these great things have happened. So thank you for having me on.
1: Oh, you are so welcome. That is really impressive. So here's the thing I normally ask people when we start. How did you get started? I know that there's been a long, wonderful journey. So basically... How did you get to where you are now? What kinds of things did you overcome? I'm sure there were many things that got you from where you were to where you are now.
2: Yeah, I would say that I got started because my mom and dad were kind enough to birth me. So I have this wonderful mother who's granted me in my faith and then my father who has really granted me in um, strong work ethic. So uh, five siblings in my family, and we all grew up uh, going to work at the age of 12 and 13. Whether we worked at a car wash that he had, one was a full service. He had lots of self-service car washes and then moved into you know, working at restaurants for him while we were in high school. And then eventually he got into the franchising world and put us to work in the franchising businesses. So I really grew up being an ambassador for the franchise company at the same time running a lot of real estate Uh, for him both in the U.S. and internationally. So lots of growth opportunities. And you just tell me where you want to start because I got lots of lessons I can share and I'm still learning those lessons every day.
1: Oh, absolutely. So was your first entrepreneurial experience within the family business or did you do something such as you had a lemonade stand or you sold rocks to your friends or anything like that? (laughs)
2: You know, it's interesting. I I think my next book is going to be cheer dash leadership. I was a cheerleader in school and we had to sell ribbons. You might not remember that you're younger than I am, but uh, we had to sell ribbons each week for the particular game that we were going to be playing. And that was one way that we raised money. So Hmm. I was very entrepreneurial in that. Um, I was always the first to sell out sell out the ribbons and you know anything that had to do with uh, fundraising and, and raising money for good causes during my schooling, I was right in the middle of. So not that I really created something on my own, but I always wanted to be the best uh, at selling whatever it was that we were doing to raise money for a good cause.
1: Wow, that is absolutely fantastic. Now, I know that uh, your father has since passed. What was it like to take over something that seemed to be running very, very well? Was there any kind of pressure to live up to something, or did you want to put your stamp on it? What was that like for you?
2: He and I were great friends at the end of his life. So there were times when I was a young person in my teens and even in my early 20s where I There were days I did not like my father at all because he put me in some very uncomfortable situations that I look back and I'm grateful for. But back then, I didn't like him. Mm -hmm. I remember going home and crying at night. I hate him because Mm -hmm. he put me in such tough, tough business situations. But, you know, looking back at his death, uh, first of all, he had just taken the company Public Brian in 1993 Mm -hmm. and he put me on his board. So he did see me as a future leader of the organization amongst a few others. And then he died of a sudden heart attack at the age of sixty in nineteen ninety four, mm. and so one one of my greatest fears I didn't have to put my stamp on it my one of my greatest fears was is how do we continue this legacy uh, that Don Dwyer worked so hard to create and that that legacy was built on a couple of things one his foundation which was his code of values. And I know mm. we'll talk a little bit about those because that's really the foundation for our success here yeah. at Neighborly. And then his mission statement. So his mission um, was to teach his principles and systems of both personal and business success so that all people he touched would live happier, more successful lives. And that's what made this company so special. So one of my greatest fears was this, how do we keep that alive without the, the visionary, the founder, the, the driver here. And We've managed to do it thanks to an amazing group of uh, leaders and team members and franchisees.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I would imagine that the most successful companies in the world are those who have a very clear mission statement and a very clear set of values. And I know we'll explore what the the values of your company are uh, in greater detail a little bit later on. But just the idea of having that and living it and talking it out loud every single day has to make a huge difference.
2: Well, it impacted me as a young person, as well as, you know, all the other folks that he had attracted to this business. I remember the original values were up on the wall. um, As you walked into the main building, we called it the Rainbow Building because of Rainbow International, now Rainbow Restoration and and Cleaning, was the very first flagship uh, franchise business that he had founded. And as I would walk to my office every day, um, the thing that would jump out at me was one value in particular, and it was we must re-earn our positions every mm-hmm. day in every way and being the daughter of the boss uh, made that even more important because he held all of his children accountable. Um, but when he died, you know, we had to say, how do you take what Don created in those values? And, and Don held us accountable to those values and create something more operational out of those so that they can outlive any CEO uh, of this company.
1: Yeah. What is the hardest lesson that you have learned along the way in your journey?
2: gosh, you know, and I repeated it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe others have done the same thing, but it's to really pay attention to my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, my gut's good, got good, such a good sense of what I should or shouldn't be doing. And there were a couple of occasions where I held on to um, team members in important roles that weren't a good fit Uh, you know one part of me is like oh well we can help change them and yes over time some people will change it uh, if they're willing to and they and they desire to but these couple of cases I did not make the change quick enough and they created damage number one they didn't lead with our values and that created a lot of questions in other team members minds why is she keeping somebody on the team who is not complying uh, with the values that we all we all love and care about and that makes this culture special Um, and, and even though, you know, at certain board meetings, I remember having conversations. I've been blessed by some amazing boards and even bringing up the conversation that we've got to do something different with this individual. But I, I didn't, I didn't make it clear enough that no, you're not hearing me. We can't just keep working with them or her Mm -hmm. and and try to make it work. We have got to get them out of the company because they're a dis-ease, um, a disease. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so I made the mistake of not acting fast enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've got probably a couple minutes left to our first break. I, as long as you brought up the whole idea of having a board of directors, I want to ask, do you find it is easier to have people on your board who are in your industry or people who are not in your industry? Or do you have like a mix of both? Do you prefer that?
2: I like a mix because there are people in our industry. Steve Siegel, for example, was a franchisee and then the first franchisee to chair the International Franchise Association. He had incredible um experience outside of what we did in the service industry. So he brought some other experiences to us and also served on other boards. But then I love having uh, non-industry folks on the board, especially those who can bring um, information knowledge and experience to our board that we absolutely don't have. For example, the, the last four years before we sold to another private equity group, we brought in a di- digital marketing expert um, yeah. who really brought tremendous value to the board.
1: Wow. That is absolutely fantastic. What does your day look like when you start?
2: Oh, well, before I get out of bed, I I count my blessings. So I always say prayers before I ever get out of bed. And then, uh, you know, get up and have hopefully a healthy breakfast and chat with my husband over um, breakfast and devotionals. So we try to do devotionals in the morning. Then I actually had to mass. So I am a uh, I, I work at going to mass five times a week. It's the place that I go to get grounded. And and stay grounded on what's most important in life. And that's a place that slows me down and forces me to take a deep breath. And in the spiritual area of my life, I've always got um, this hunger for growing there because I really need it. And that's a place that helps guide me. So that's what my typical morning
1: looks like. Fantastic. Well, we're coming up against our very first break. My very special guest this week is Dina Dwyer Owens, and we will talk about her experience on Undercover Boss when we come back from the break, and we'll also talk about uh, her books. We've got so much to talk about, and there's so much experience here that I would just like to wade through and and draw out things that I think would be very helpful to you, as those who are listening as well. We'll come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which Causes damage to our body, and unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo; it'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com And we're back. This is success profiles radio. My very special guest this week is Dina Dwyer Owens. And we talked about how she grew up in an entrepreneurial family and she took over her dad's business. And we'll talk more about that. But what I do want to ask Dina is not only how did you end up selling your company, but how did you get to a place where you were able to do that? Because that's the foundational thing. That's the important part.
2: You know, we we were publicly traded, as I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, The company went public in 1993. And unfortunately, uh, we we found that very challenging. Uh, We held, I say we, my family held a large percentage of the company, which um, complicated things when it came to getting institutional investors. So it was about 2000, year 2000, 2001, we decided we've got to do something different. And let's look at maybe some strategic buyers who might want to team up. You know, the likes of the Home Depot or Lowe's, those kinds of folks had, you know, teamed up with us on some different projects we were trying. So we thought maybe we should go to market and see if there's anybody out there who would like to really team up with us Uh, and make the story short. 9-11 hit and that process kind of halted and we ended up being approached by private equity groups. So these private equity groups just started knocking on our door and they wanted to um, invest in the company because they saw the amazing opportunity for the ongoing you know, royalty stream that you get being a franchise organization, but the never-ending growth potential because every franchisee in every location has the opportunity to build a bigger business than what they have today. But the thing that attracted... Um, a particular private equity group called Riverside um, the most they did. They did not want to let go of the opportunity to try to take us from public to private was the, uh, the core values and the mission that we had because they knew that we were serious about those values uh, because they came to visit us. And then they also understood that what we do here is so much more than just selling or awarding franchises. We care about changing people's lives, helping people achieve the dream of business ownership. And, and so I think we have this, this blessed opportunity because they saw that we were living our mission mm-hmm. and we were really living the values, which was kind of surprising to them. And now they've even created a formula when they go to look to acquire companies that values as part of the equation that when considering companies to invest in. So that didn't happen just once, Brian, we we ended up uh, building a great business. You know, we took yes. the business to the next level under Riverside's leadership. And then in 2010, Private equity groups then will go and, uh, you know, seek, seek a return on their investment. And we were able to team up with another wonderful private equity group called TZP. Same thing. Uh, they saw tremendous value in the, um, the culture of Dwyer and the opportunity for unending growth um, through organic growth as well as through acquisitions. Because we continue to fill out this menu of services to take care of you mm-hmm. as well as your listeners when you think about what needs to be done in the home. Yeah. So we had a nice, a nice growth, um, organic growth during that period. But it was funny, just three years into that relationship, Riverside came back, they had raised a $1.5 billion fund and said, you know, we've been looking for other good companies to invest in and we're, we're struggling to find companies that we want to put this kind of money to work in. Would you uh, and the management team be interested in selling back to us. And of course we were. We we had talked about it kind of the whole three years we we had become friends with them. Yeah. So three years after selling us, they came back and reacquired us and I won't tell you dollars, but they reacquired us for almost double what they sold us for three years earlier because we had some nice growth, and and they also were willing to pay a premium because the only way the the current private equity partner was going to sell is if they in fact did pay a premium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then recently we sold again. So Riverside helped us grow tremendously, and I say Riverside helped us. You know, it it takes a great leader like our CEO Mike Biddle amongst a lot of amazing team members and franchisees to experience the kind of growth we've had. One hundred and uh, growth in in the last four years. And so just in May, um, uh, Riverside sold their uh, shares, most of their shares to a company called Harvest. So we're in our fourth private equity arrangement and with people that we care to do business with. So we check references on every one of these groups. So we want to know about them as much as they want to know about us because we want to team up with people that we believe culturally are a good fit and will really help take our business to the next level.
1: Absolutely. I love that. And of course, growing a large business like this is not easy. So the question I want to ask Dina is, who did you have to become to be able to do this? Because not everyone can do this. A lot of people think they can, but it's harder than it looks.
2: Yeah. Um, I think you have to become humble. So I think one of the, the biggest things that I've learned as a leader is, uh, and we mentioned it briefly earlier, we, we can't be good at everything. Right. And we've got to be willing to surround ourselves with people who are better than we are in those areas of weakness. And then also know when it's time to get out of the way. Yeah, And uh, I think that I mentioned to you earlier that, you know, I'm no longer the CEO of the company. I was a CEO for 15 years and then I was in a chairman's role for quite a number of years as well. But, you know, I just knew it was time. It was time to put somebody else in the, the CEO role. And that's uh, Mike Biddle has been in that role now for almost five years. And of course the growth has been amazing. So it yeah. sounds like we made the right decision. I, I won't take full credit for that. Mike had to be ready for the position and boy, has he really taken the business to a, a whole new level. So we've got to know as leaders too, uh, when it's time to, to let others step in and yeah. do the things that maybe we're not
1: the best person um, for the job anymore. Right. So what was it like and what is it like being a female executive in, in an industry that is dominated by men? Because a lot of the industries that you are involved in are male-dominated.
2: Oh, that's very funny. Well We'll go all the way back to when I was invited to be president and CEO. In 1998, the company was actually losing about a million dollars in earnings per share, oh. which is not a good place to be you know, no. as a company, period, but as a publicly traded company. And uh, I'll never forget the, the outside board of directors really believed that I could lead the company and I was honored by their belief mm-hmm. yet um, they hedged their bets by saying, Dina, we're going to put you in an acting role. So we're going to put you in as acting presidency. CEO. you're 35 years old. You've never run a company this size and we want to give you a chance. But in six months, if it doesn't prove to be the right decision, you know, we're going to have to go on a search and find somebody else. And I was in complete agreement with that within a a matter of weeks after it was announced that I was going to be the acting president and CEO, there was a group of uh, very sophisticated, large Mr. Reader franchises. You know, these, these guys are in the plumbing business and, mm-hmm. and yet they're, they're smart business people. And I'll never forget. They had a, uh, a meeting, a regional meeting and uh, they did a straw poll. Should Dina be the permanent president and CEO or not? And they unanimously voted that I should not. Mm. So it, it, you know, it caused me to have to, um, get face to face with them. And, and especially the gentleman who kind of led the the vote. And I said, can I meet with you face to face? And, and we met, I will admit that he did have a lot of sweat on his brow. When we mm-hmm. met thinking, who is this little 35 year old girl? You know, what, what is she mm-hmm. talk about? And I basically, you know, just uh, applied our values and said, Look, I understand, you, you know, you called a vote, and uh, you all voted that I shouldn't be the permanent presidency. And I'd like to understand why. And in all fairness to him and the rest of the group, they didn't know me well. I'd been serving as VP of operations for about three and a half years at that point. And, you know, didn't spend a whole lot of time with any of them one on one. So I said, well, number one is you've never run a company this size. And I said, you're right. You know, So we have to face the truth about who we are or aren't. And I said, you're right. I've never run a company this size. And he said, number two, you're not a plumber. I said, you're right again. (laughs) So both of your reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, um, are true. And and I said, but here's something that I am that maybe you haven't thought of. When you think about the customer, about 65% of the time, the person that answers the door is the woman of the house who better to lead a company than the customer. And that's how I see my role. And if I can't prove myself in the next six months, I'll be the first one to step down and say, let's go find somebody that's better for the job than me. Uh, and thankfully, um, I asked him to, to not be negative and to support me in that six-month period. And uh, six months later, because of an amazing team of people and a very supportive family, um, we made it work. And I served in that role for 15 years.
1: Wow, that is so fantastic. So let's talk about Undercover Boss. This is what a lot of people know you for. And I'm so excited to talk about this because I love that show. I really do. So how did this opportunity come to you? Did you find them or did they find you?
2: We found them, you know, the Dwyer group name uh, was not a a consumer branded name. And and in fact, we just changed the name of the company to neighborly. And we can talk about that later if we have time. Sure. So I, I wasn't being approached and a couple of my friends from franchising had been on some episodes and I thought, now, wait a second, if they can be on this show, why can't we? What a great marketing opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we did a little homework before we reached out to the production company. And uh, what we learned the viewers were, were wanting was more people of color and more women, because most of the episodes were men. Yeah. And, and you find that, you know, a lot of CEOs are, are just white guys.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so we knew they needed people of color and, and, and women. We also did our homework and learned that most of the bosses didn't even mention the word values during their entire episode. Wow. So my mission for going undercover was to find out if the values really making it to the frontline experience. You know, the person coming to your home that's representing our brand, are you and your family members having the the code of values experience? So we reached out to the production company and um, told them, you know, woman running a male-dominated business wants to find out if the values are really making it to the front lines. Within weeks, they were in Waco, Texas, doing what's called the casting interview, where they, you know, basically put a camera in your face for about three hours mm-hmm. and, and ask a lot of questions about you personally. They mm-hmm. they know you're a boss. They know you work hard. They want to know, who are you? Like, you kind of asked me, who are you before you go to work? And who are you when you get home at the end of the day? Right. So we went through the interview process, and they, they put a sizzle reel together that they send off to CBS, the network. And then the, the network's got to give you the green light or the red light. And we got the green light within a matter of weeks.
1: That's yeah. beautiful. How hard was it not to tell anyone what happened? We've got probably two minutes left to, to our next break.
2: Uh, not so hard for me because I signed a confidentiality agreement and I, you know, I, I work hard to live by my word and that, you know, that's mm-hmm. the, the uh, neighborly values that we've had for years. And I certainly have opportunity for improvement, Brian. Uh, but I, when I sign something, you know, i I've, I've made a commitment and I'm going to live up to that commitment. Uh, so it wasn't that hard because I made a commitment. So going into the process, I, I committed that I would not interfere. I would not try to find out who are the frontline team members that they're lining me up with. I oh. completely stayed out of the way. Uh, I bet there's other bosses who didn't stay out of the way
0: because
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> they couldn't help themselves. But I, sure. I just, uh, I did not want to interfere. I actually wanted it to be a true experience too. I thought if I'm going going undercover, I really want this to be an experience of um, a personal journey where I'm, I'm really learning something along the way and it's not pre-staged. Some of it's pre-staged only because they're not going to come barging into your kitchen, you know, in the morning and while you and your family are having breakfast. Um, but my experience with every one of those contributors, the four, four folks I spent time with, was absolutely a pure experience.
1: Awesome. Did anyone suspect who you were?
2: No, I don't think so. I, I thought uh, they surprised me by having me with a franchisee of Mr. Electric. And I did not expect to be with a franchisee. I thought it was going to be all employees of our franchisees who don't typically know me. Mm. And yet I met with a a gentleman, Brock, uh, from Mr. Electric outside of the Houston area. And because he admitted he was not following the entire system, uh, it was pretty clear to me that he did not recognize me.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest this week is Dean Dwyer Owens. We are talking about her experience on Undercover Boss. We will continue that discussion after the break, and we will come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. Can't wait to continue this discussion on the other side, and we will also explore uh, the value, the core values that her company has. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And if you have not subscribed and downloaded Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, please go ahead and do that and leave a review. That would be great. And if you have not seen or heard of my book, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, it is a compilation of some of my favorite interviews from my show. Episode 300 is coming up in just a few weeks. I cannot wait. So you can find that book on Amazon. And Barnes and Noble, and every fine bookstore everywhere. And if they don't have it, ask for it, please. So, we're here with Dina Dwyer Owens. We are talking about Undercover Boss. And I would like to ask a question that maybe a few people might have Is any of this scripted? Is it really reality TV, or is it scripted TV?
2: I would say most of it is absolutely reality. Uh, again, you know, if they're coming into your kitchen while you're having breakfast, they're going to get permission to do that. And they've got yeah. to you know, have some cameras already preset. But my experience with each one of the they, they don't call them actors and actresses because these are real people. These are yeah. people that have not been trained to act. And, and they actually believe that we were filming a pilot reality show called Keep Your Day Job. So oh. they believe that those cameras were following them around because their responsibility was to teach me. My, my undercover name was Faith Brown, and I was posing as a secretary uh, who wanted to get out of the office and really work with my hands. So their job was to teach me their trade and then at the end of the week weigh in on should she keep her day job like she's really bad at this or could mm. she in fact, you know, be a plumber. And and the good and the bad news is two of them said she should keep her day job. They thought I was awful at the jobs and others oh. just, she could do whatever she wants. So those experiences with those individuals is absolutely a real experience. Wow. They, you know There are directors um, that are out there on the we're out in people's homes in our case, you know, because we're, we're servicing people's homes and businesses. And, you know, they're directors, but they can't tell you what to say. No. And they no. can't tell you what to feel and they can't tell you what to act because we're not actors or actresses. We're real people really experiencing a journey of something new.
1: Right, exactly. What was your big takeaway from that whole experience?
2: You know, I walked away, Brian. um, They they were kind enough to follow me to church a couple of times because that's one of my daily practices. And uh, I'll never forget coming back into the church on my way home. Uh, It was kind of the last thing that we filmed. And I literally, um, I'm emotional anyways. I'm not afraid to show my emotions when I really feel moved by something. But I walked into that church with this, Overwhelming feeling of responsibility at, at the time as the CEO, the yeah. tremendous responsibility we have, not only for our employees and our franchisees, but for the franchisees' employees. and you know what we do and what we decide in Waco, Texas, somehow could end up affecting folks on the front line. And then the customer, you know we're in people's homes and businesses trying to make their lives more comfortable. Right, And, you know, our goal is to do a tremendous job of that. And I'm proud to say that across our franchisees, our average net promoter score is a 73, which is higher than Apple and Amazon and Southwest Airlines. They're all rated in the 60s. And this is a service business. Yeah. The overwhelming sense of responsibility. The second thing that I'll never forget is I've always appreciated the frontline team members that work on behalf of our franchisees. Wow. Yet today, when I'm driving down the road, I might see guys working on the side of the highway, you know, digging a ditch for something. I drive by them and I have a real respect for the work that they do, whether it's in the hot or the cold or the rain, whatever it is. And I just think, God bless them. I mean, they Mm -hmm. are out there doing work day in and day out that you and I get the benefit of and maybe don't always see or appreciate the work that they do to make our lives more comfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, in the course of filming, there's a lot of footage that does not make it onto the final episode. So let's talk about some of the bonus scenes, the things that didn't make it. Was there something fun you would like to share about that?
2: Yeah, there's there's a bonus clip that people could probably go find on the Undercover Boss site where I am being asked to hold a uh, hedger. So it's like a hedger thing, but I above it. my head and it had to weigh 40 pounds. I was so weak. And I, I thought I was in pretty good shape. So I'm trying to hold this hedger above my head as I'm, I'm trimming a weeping willow tree, which, you know, people wrote and said, you're not supposed to trim weeping willows. It's, you know, not the right thing. Well, I was told to trim it. So I'm, I'm trimming this thing and I could barely hold this hedger above my head. And, and the young man who I'm working with, the grounds guys, is like, I, you know, I thought she was going to cut my head off. Uh, he thought he was going to lose a limb because I was coming so close to him and the cameraman as I'm trying to hold this thing above my head and, and just couldn't control it.
1: Wow, that is absolutely funny. I love that. (laughs) I did see that bonus clip, by the way.
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh, it was too much. Yeah. And
1: For those of you listening, if you want to see the entire episode, I believe you have to subscribe to CBS All Access if you want to watch the full episode. But that bonus clip you can find pretty easily without needing any special access. So, yeah, I did see that. That was pretty awesome.
2: Normally, you can go to Netflix and find it as well. If anybody subscribes to Netflix or Hulu, uh, I believe they can also find the episode there.
1: Oh, wonderful. Okay, several years ago you wrote a book called Live Rich: The Dwyer Group Code of Values and the Road to Success. What motivated you to actually put a book together?
2: I mentioned that we had uh, gone from public to private when Riverside yes. Invested in us the first time in 2003. And our company literally overnight inherited 1250 employees. So we bought a, a we bought a company operation that was much bigger than our company. And overnight, basically, inherited all these employees, although um, we were going to be taking these company locations for, it was called Harmon Autoglass, and we were going to be uh, working with them to team up with Glass Doctor franchisees in different parts of the country. So we were growing rapidly, and there was this dilemma of how do we indoctrinate all these new folks into our code of values because it could get away from us, and we knew that. So one of our employees actually said, why don't you write a storybook? Why don't you write a book that's easy to read, maybe could be read in a couple of hours, where it tells the the history of the code of values and then the reason why it's so important to who we are and what we do. And, and it was our way of keeping the values front and center, but quickly indoctrinating folks, new franchisees as well as new employees. And it became well-read. Uh, so even outside of Dwyer Group, we began to be... Um, asked if we could sell it um, to folks outside. So I think we're on our uh, fourth reprint. I'm about to reprint it again because we've had a tremendous interest in the book. The stories are the best because it tells yeah. about how franchisees and employees have really implemented the values, not only in their businesses, but in their lives and how it's made such an impact.
1: Absolutely. So how did writing that book change your career? I know that you used it more or less as a training manual for your employees. But apart from that, how did it change the trajectory of what was going on in your life?
2: Yeah, so many ways. So it gave gave me a chance to have a platform for really speaking about the importance of values-guided leadership and how you've got to come up with a system for keeping your values front and center in your life. So many companies, and, and I'm sure many of your listeners have even done this, go through a strategic planning process where they identify vision, mission, and values. Then they get back to the office and get busy. And, and it seems like uh, maybe the vision and mission go somewhere, but the values don't. And then they get back to the uh, strategic planning retreat five years later and say, you know, those values never worked. Well, they never worked because nobody took responsibility for executing on them. So -hmm. so what we do as a franchise organization is we take what's most important in business, Brian, Mm -hmm. and we create systems around what's most important so that those systems can be replicated over and over and over again. So when we created the operationalized values, we said, let's create a system around the values so that we discuss them anytime we have a meeting of three or more of our team members so they never go away. And that's exactly what we've done. So it's our solution for keeping the values front and center, and then holding one another accountable. Everybody here has permission and responsibility to hold themselves and each other accountable to those values.
1: Absolutely. What was the book launch process like?
2: You, you know, it's it was more of a marathon. I've never. It's never been my mindset that I have to have a best selling book. So neither one of them have really been on the best sellers list because I've mm-hmm. not invested in right. that. It was really more about writing a book to make a difference versus writing a book to make a profit. Yeah. So it's just, as I continue to speak and, and do these amazing podcasts and radio shows, uh, folks are buying buying the books. And then they're, in some cases, universities are buying them and making them required reading. Uh, I speak at a lot of universities from here at Baylor University to uh, you know Harvard and gosh, um, universities all over the place. So it's really just uh, sharing this important message and, and movement. I really want to create a movement of, Uh, Building more values-guided leaders in our world because we're sorely lacking uh, in values-guided leaders today.
1: Wow, I love that. So we've been alluding to a value, a core value system that you have. Let's discuss this more specifically. The word RICH is an acronym for some of your core values. Let's talk about that.
2: Yes, it stands for um, respect, respect, integrity, customer focus, and having fun of the process. So we say we live RICH at Dwyer Group, now neighborly. And it's not about money. At the end of the day, yes, we're in business to make money. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. Our franchisees are in business to make money. They've got to provide for their families. Mm-hmm. But living rich is really all about treating people, whether they're employees, our employees, families, our customers with respect and dignity, providing a quality product and service. And when we do that, uh, uh, the profit is the applause we get. My friend Ken Blanchard uses that line. You know, profit is simply the applause you get for doing right by the the customer. And that's exactly how we think about living rich here at Neighborly. It's about treating people right. And it's never too late to treat people right, you know, so you can go back and you can correct your mistakes and our values guide us mm-hmm. to do that, but it's it's really about um making this part of our uh, our way of life, the way we do things. And you can't just do this good at work and it not benefit you in every other relationship you have, Brian, whether it's at home, school, church, play, whatever you do, these values once they become part of who you are and they're internalized, benefit you in all areas of life.
1: Yeah. And would you say that adhering to these core values was directly responsible for the explosive growth in your company because you had a target that you were looking for every single day?
2: I would say that they are the foundation for our success. Yeah. If we didn't have our core values and had not committed to living them day in and day out, and we're not perfect. So I, I will mm-hmm. make a disclaimer that we have a high bar that we've set with our values and we don't mm-hmm. always make that bar every day, but Next day, we're going to strive again to to reach the bar. Had it not been for being so thoughtful uh, about our values, we would not be where we are today. We would not have attracted the private equity groups that we've attracted. We would not have attracted the amazing franchisees that we award franchises to. So many of them come to us and they say, it's because of your values that I've made a decision. I want to be part of your company versus maybe another franchise company that does a similar service. It's the reason that we have launched new brand name neighborly so we've got this this overarching brand now that um, represents our community of home service experts all of our 21 franchise businesses and 3500 some odd franchisees and and we have that name because we asked the consumer what kind of experience do you have with our franchisees how would you describe it they said helpful friendly courteous neighborly Mm -hmm. so they told us how we should name our company so just three weeks ago at our annual reunion we launched um, our new brand name. So we've gone from being Dwyer Group for most of the last 37 years to now Neighborly.
1: Wow. That's absolutely great. We have one minute left until our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. I want to ask you real quickly, how, how do you develop confidence? How are you so confident?
2: gosh, a couple of things. Uh, Prayer is probably the greatest uh, place that I get my confidence. I I rely on this wonderful God that we have. And not to impose my beliefs on any of your listeners, but I, I have found that that's what gives me the confidence to do what I do every day. And I have to slow down each morning and be very prayerful. And throughout the day, be very prayerful. And when I go to bed at night, be prayerful again and remember all the blessings that I have, but also the responsibilities that I have.
1: Fantastic. We're coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We are with Dana Dwyer Owens, and she was on Undercover Boss, and she is the the brand ambassador for the company called Neighborly. We will come right back after the break. We'll talk about building wealthy relationships. We'll talk about accountability. We'll talk about a freebie that she wants to give away to us, and we will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please don't go away. We'll be back.
0: heard about the Ring Video Doorbell app. It has a motion sensor that alerts your cell phone as someone is on your porch or rings a doorbell. All you have to do is tap your phone and you can see who is at your
2: door and talk to them through a remote-mounted camera and speaker. My husband thought this would be a good idea to have for our home. However, I had no idea he had installed it while I was out of town. Imagine how confizzled I felt when I returned
0: home. Went to unlock the door and suddenly heard my husband's voice calling at me from seemingly nowhere. He had installed a camera and speaker high up
2: in a tree next to our front porch. Talk about being surprised and confused. What's another word for being confused? It's too bold. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my
0: free app, Too Funny for Words.
1: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dina Dwyer Owens. She is most well-known for having been on Undercover Boss. And I want to ask you something, Dina. When I say the phrase wealthy relationships, what comes to your mind?
2: How we built our business. Mm. So we, when we think about living rich, so it ties in perfectly to our core values, the, you know the, yeah. uh, the theme that we use. Uh, I think about... When we live our values, it creates trusting relationships. And so with those trusting relationships, let's just start with employees. Um, They become wealthy relationships because those employees now want to share with their friends and family members how much they love working here and then invite them to come join our organization. And then franchisees, when we um, live our values, again, we create these wealthy relationships with our franchisees and then our franchisees also share their story and their experience with friends and family who might also want to invest in a franchise because we're always looking for great franchisees to fill in what we call the white space. Mm-hmm. We've got 3,500 franchises, but we've got lots of opportunity for growth in lots of uh, municipalities and, and rural places around the, the country and actually in the world. Mm-hmm. And then when I think about wealthy relationships, I think about uh, the end user customer. When we take great care of the customers, they help us build wealthy relationships because they share Um, the great experience they had with their friends and neighbors.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So while I'm thinking about it, if anyone out there listening has ever thought about investing in a franchise and just wasn't sure how to do it or what industry they'd like to be in, how can they learn more about what you're doing and maybe possibly apply to be a franchisee?
2: Sure. If they just want to go to dina.dwyerowens.com, because I think we're going to have the uh, the free giveaway at yep. that website. So I think let's keep it simple. So dina.dwyerowens.com, and there's a button for franchise information. We'd love to help them learn more about what is a franchise. You know, if they want to learn more specifically about our franchise business, we'd be, we'd be delighted because we're looking for great people, Brian. And I know you attract great people as listeners. Mm-hmm. And then if one of ours doesn't quite fit them, or maybe it's not available in their particular community, we'd be happy to refer them. Um, to other places they can learn more about franchise opportunities that might be available in their area.
1: Fantastic. Let's talk about accountability because that is so important. That has to be at the top of your list in terms of what is important to you in building an organization.
2: One of our values is operating in a responsible manner Mm -hmm. above the line. So if you think about um, just visualize a line and the word above the line is accountability and then the words that fall below the line are things like blame, justification, or maybe even shame. Yeah. so anything below the line in in our minds is waste. Nobody wants to hear it as as, yeah. as leaders, as parents, as partners. We don't want to hear all the excuses. We just want people to be accountable and play above the line. and you asked me earlier, who did I have to become? Yeah, and not that I wasn't always accountable, but I had to come even become even more accountable than ever before. When I made a mistake, I had to be willing to get up in front of the company and say, I made a mistake.
0: Yeah.
1: Please forgive me. Absolutely. You've alluded to how important your faith is uh, at a few different times in the show. And I love when I have a guest who says their faith is very important. Uh, How important is that to you? Was that ingrained in you in a very early age? How does that guide you on a day-to-day basis?
2: Yeah. Again, I must give credit. My, you know, my father certainly went to church with us, yes. not like my mother did. My mother really grounded me in my faith and, and taught us to be kind and say please and thank you and all those kind of basic things that are just human, you know, and, and that we should love. We should love others and be forgiving. Mm-hmm. So my faith really is my number one personal value when I think about personal values. And I have lots of rules that go with that from, you know being prayerful in the morning and the evening and uh, attending daily mass, you know, at least five days a week. And then, you know, attending mass when I'm traveling on Sundays. And so there are all these things, these habits that I have in order to make sure my faith stays front and center. And when I am not living up to my own rules in that area of my life, um, things go bad. You know, I I get feelings of um, sadness or uh, frustration and it's almost always because I'm not staying committed to my faith. And you might enjoy this. My my undercover name on the uh, show was Faith Brown, because I had to come up with a name that I would not forget. Yeah. But I also chose that name because I wanted to keep myself humbled. Yeah. That show wasn't about me. That show was really about our organization and the amazing people we have in our organization and yeah. their, the fact that they really do care about the customer experience. Yeah. So Faith Brown was my undercover name. And, and every day I went to, to went to work undercover remembering this is not about you.
1: Yeah. I wonder if anybody on that show ever forgot their alias.
2: (laughs) Yes. My my friend Steve did. My friend Steve Joyce was um, uh, running Choice Hotels at the time. Yeah. And he actually, uh, his undercover name, I think, was Jack. And one day he said, uh, yeah, I'm Steve. And they're like, you're Steve. I thought you were Jack.
1: (laughs) Mm, Steve is my middle name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. He was so so embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Absolutely. I want to ask how you decide who you want to work with in terms of franchisees, in terms of employees. I know that your answer probably will center around your your value system, but if you're dealing with someone you don't know yet, how you how do you make that choice?
2: Yeah, it is it is around the values. So, and, and you know, we talk to every new um, interviewee uh, that's you know applying to work with us, and we talk about the importance of our values and whether or not. They're compatible with those values, and we're not right for everybody, and that's okay, Brian. You know, uh, totally. we'd rather know that now than later, and it's hard to test that, though. We do run a couple of um, personality profile-type tests. Uh, one is the DISC profile, so we get an understanding of, of who they are, but until they really come to work, we, we really don't always know. And the interesting thing about when you're working hard to lead with the values, and so is your entire team, uh, those people show up real quick that aren't uh, really going to be a good fit for us. And, and we right. hate that. We hate that sometimes we make a bad choice, but it does happen sometimes, but not that often. And then with franchisees, it's a big part of our process. As I said earlier, so many people come to us because of our values. So so we know that we believe what they believe. We just happen to have it in writing. Um, same kind of thing, though. It's part of our uh, evaluation process is we, we talk a lot about the values. And when you become a franchisee here, These values are serious because if you don't comply with these values and the systems for delivering the promise that we make to the customer, you're not just hurting your business, you're hurting every other business in that particular brand. And now you're hurting every other business in the neighborly brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your free giveaway. Uh, You help people with this download identify what their core values are. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: Yes. So my second book is called Values, Inc., and that was uh, a book that did make it to the Forbes top 10 business books in 2015. And that book really is for people outside of our company to say, you know, here are some of the facts and figures behind the importance of leading with values, because a lot of uh, CEOs or or business leaders think that it's just warm and fuzzy, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. translate into financial results. Well, I'm here to tell you it translates into financial results. So Values Inc. was a book I wrote about that. And then uh, the the last chapter in that book talks about how to create your own culture. That is mm. along the lines of what we, we've done here at Neighborly. But I've got a, a free download for your your um, listeners, and that's called the Create Your Culture download. There's ba- basically six simple steps um, to getting clarity about your values and then creating a system for keeping your values front and center like we've done here. And so I'd love for them to go to dinadwyerowens.com and it's D I N A D W Y E R owen for that free download. And they can also find out information about uh, our franchise companies if they're interested at that same location. And you know what? Even go to getneighborly.com. So we've got um, a site, much like an Angie's List or Home Advisors, where it's one place for you to go as a, as a consumer to find trusted professionals to come into your home to take care of your your home service needs. And there should be, a um, on my site, a nice little... Um, Plus, for you guys, if you go on there to try out one of our services, there should be a nice little discount.
1: Fantastic. So, if you could talk to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you say to her? Don't
2: make some of the stupid mistakes. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't think i changed change anything that I did. I was not as focused as an 18-year-old. So, what would I have said to that 18-year-old? You got me stumped here. Oh, really? Good question. Mm. I probably just said, "Just be yourself. Yeah. Be the best. Be the best version of yourself, and don't let other people influence you any other way."
1: Wow, that's fantastic. What do you think are some of the most successful habits of successful people?
2: Uh, I can I can speak for myself, but I think having daily practices um, that uh, are positive. Um, I think you started off at the beginning of this with um, you know. Action is part mm-hmm. of attraction mm-hmm. and we've got to go make things happen. Things aren't just going to happen for us just because we want them to happen and we're thinking positively, but it's, it's being clear about what it is you want to achieve in life. So I think the habits of great leaders are there's clarity of where mm-hmm. they want to go in life. I'm, I'm a big target setter, so I'm constantly setting targets and striving to achieve those um, exercise. So I, I exercise uh, six days a week. Uh, eating healthy eating habits um yeah. i do love to eat so i've got to watch that especially when i travel but um you know healthy eating habits i think um is a is a sign of a great leader um you know having clarity about your faith life and and yeah. you will believe in something mm-hmm. so i think it's having a good uh routine of habits around your faith life and making sure that you're you're living and leading um the faith that you profess because so many times we we act one way on sundays and then uh, during the work week we behave differently and that's what gives um some denominations are really bad rap, so it's really yeah. up to us individually to to be the, the best version of ourselves and live out those things that we we talk about. Let's just not talk about it. Let's really live it. And people are attracted like a magnet um, yeah. to folks who truly live their talk.
1: Awesome. We are coming toward the end of the show. We've got less than two minutes left, so let me ask the question I ask everyone, Dina. Who inspires and motivates you?
2: Yeah, I'm on a board, uh, Ken Blanchard's got a board called Lead Like Jesus, and I'm on his board, and I would say number one is Jesus Christ, because he is truly the greatest leadership role model of all times, even if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, when you think about Mm -hmm. how he led, and how he treated people, he said the tough things when he needed to say the tough things, but with love and kindness, Yeah. but then he also praised, praised children and and older people, and, and looked for the good in everybody, and forgave, you know, over and over and over again and, and served. And I think that uh, anybody who serves and man, there's people here at at Neighborly, uh, you know, our team members are incredible. So they inspire me every day with their level of um, servant leadership. And then folks outside of that are our franchisees and uh, just amazing people I get to work with, you know, Doug, Doug referred me to you. um, And I appreciate Doug and his leadership. And Brian, what you're doing, you're out there trying to do something better for our world. So anybody like you or Doug inspire me. You, you help us be better.
1: Awesome. Well, I do thank you so much. One more time. How can we find you? How can we vibe with you and try with you?
2: Yes, dinadwireowens.com. And please take advantage of that free Create Your Culture download. Even if you're not running a business today, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're a leader of a family maybe, or you're a leader of a, a not-for-profit organization that mm-hmm. creates your culture work, but can benefit you in no matter what leadership role you're in. Awesome. Dinadwireowens.com.
1: Thank you, Dina, for being here today. It was an honor and a privilege to have you here.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much for all you do, Brian.
1: All right. And this has been Success Profiles Radio, and I thank all of you for listening and letting us be a part of your day. Join us next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn how they succeeded, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Thanks for joining us. Until next Monday, you have a great day, everyone. Good night.